All right. Well, thank you, Mike and, and Marlon and Nathan, uh, uh, for leading us this morning. And so, uh, news, if it's news to you, I'm sorry about this, uh, no kids' church is, is this week or next week. And so you get to hang out with me or with us this morning, but uh, we're mindful about that. And so it, it'll be kind of loud because all of my boys are in here. Uh, but that's just the nature of it. We are teaching them to be a part of the corporate body of Christ. And, uh, and so it's a, it's a good thing that we have babies in our church. And so open in your Bibles or your phone or your iPad or whatever you've got to John chapter 15. Now, the words are not going to be on the screen this morning because we're going to be talking about reading your Bible. And so I felt it was fitting to not put the words on the screen, but to have you look at the words in front of you, whether on your phone or your Bible or your iPad or whatever it is that you've got with you this morning. And so we're going to look at John chapter 15. If you don't know where that is, just go to the table of contents. It'll tell you John's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, take you there. When I say chapter 15, that's the big number on the page. And while you're turning there, so we are in the last Sunday of 2020. And so you made it. Congratulations. Yes. Um, and so with turning, in the, turning the page into a new year often comes new resolutions, new year, new you. I don't know if it's a new haircut or a new workout plan that you're going to get on. Or you're going to go to Planet Fitness and pay $10 a month and then pretty much pay that indefinitely because you forget to cancel it. Uh, or are you going to get a new fitness bike? Or are you going to get signed up for Weight Watch? Whatever the thing that is that, that's like new year, new you, we're always thinking about turning a leaf, turning the page, becoming a better version of me. Uh, uh, and, and so here's the question for us as we're coming to this text as the body of Christ. Is that how do I glorify God in 2021? Whether there's the pandemic that's going to extend until 2030, or whether it goes away with the vaccines in May, I don't know. But the question it remains the same: is how do I glorify God in 2021? And so we're looking at this text this morning because it tells us the key or a key for doing that as a believer. And so look at John chapter 15. With me. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. And they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Let's pray. 
as we dig into God's word together. So Father, come before you this morning. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for sending Jesus to reveal it to us so that way we could have it and read it and hear from you and know you and know what you expect from us or what you desire from us. And so I pray that we'd be receptive to hear from that this morning, that you would send the Spirit to open our hearts, open our minds, to hear from your word this morning and put things in place to live it out. And so we ask for you to be with us this morning, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how do you glorify God in 2021? He tells us the answer here in verse 8. Look at it with me. It says, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. That's it. That's how you glorify God. You produce fruit and prove to be Jesus' disciple. So what is fruit? If you're looking at the text, if you're looking at the context of all of John chapter 15, he gives you a couple examples. I'm not going to read them all, but a couple examples of what fruit actually is. And so one is obedience to his commands. Fruit is obedience. Look at this in verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. One aspect of bearing fruit is obedience to Christ. Another one that he gives us is experiencing his joy, of developing the joy that Christ has. Another one is love one another. Look what he says in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Remain in my love. Go down to verse 12. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. And he's talking about this in the context of his fruit growing. So if you want to become a believer who glorifies God, he's saying develop obedience to his commands. Develop joy that, that comes from Christ. Develop love for your other people in your church. And here's the last one. One aspect of bearing fruit is being a witness to non-believers. Bearing fruit in, in this text also are people who do not believe but come to believe in Jesus through your evangelism. And so if you put all of those together, what do you get? Essentially, the totality of the Christian life. That's what he's saying. How, like, what glorifies God if you live out the Christian life and you prove to be Jesus' disciple through the through the attributes, through the characteristics, through the actions that you develop along the way. That's what he's saying. So it's conforming your heart, conforming your thoughts, conforming your actions, conforming your demeanor, your worldview, your mission, conforming that to Christ. And this is important for us. Remaining in him, holding fast to him is important for us because look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Catch this. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Now, he's not saying you can't tie your shoes. What he's saying is, is you cannot develop spiritual fruit apart from him. If you are cut off from him. So here's the question is how do you develop that? How do you develop that? So Brent helped me find a uh, a plant here earlier this morning. 
This one. It's, I mean, some of us might think it's pretty. I don't. Uh, so this is our plant here, okay? This is the vine. And I found some pliers here. We're going to pretend I'm God, okay? So here's what Jesus says in this chapter. He says this. Here is how you develop fruit in your life, okay? Pretend there's a lot of fruit on this thing, but there's branches without it. I didn't have time to tape some on this morning because I thought about this in the shower before I showed up this morning. And so, uh, but I would have taped a bunch of fake fruit on this had I, had I really given thought to it. But here's what he says. Here's how you develop fruit. Look back at verse 1. I am the true vine. Jesus is the trunk, Jesus is the main vine in this fake plant here, okay? That's what he's saying. I am the true vine. My father, God the Father, is the gardener. He's the one with the pliers. You can't just have scissors. There's wire in this. You got to have legit, you know, stuff. So, so my father is the gardener. Every branch in, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. So he goes, okay. Boom. This guy's not doing much. There he goes. Okay? That one's not producing fruit. And so what does he do? He cuts it out. Why? To leave all the resources for the plant to those that are producing fruit. So he comes over here and he's like, this one's not producing fruit. I'm going to cut this sucker off. I can't. The pliers have got too low. Okay. There we go. Okay, so that one's not producing fruit. He's pruning his church. He's pruning his people. And we saw this throughout all of the Old Testament. God's people, the people that he said, you are going to be mine, there were a number of them who did not have any faith in God. And so therefore, what did he do? He cut them off out of his people. But those of God's people who said, I am going to believe in the God of our people, hung on to him clung to him, and what happened? Produced fruit, and they remained part of his people. They remained part of his people. But there's another part to this text that's kind of judgy in a good sense for us. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a warning for us, because if you claim to be a believer and you do not prove to be one through your life, if you do not prove any, like by any fruit developed, this is what happens. God the Father cuts it off. And so you've heard the saying, once saved, if always saved. Or once, always saved, if once saved. That's what it was. Like if you said a prayer when you were 15, but then the rest of your life never backs that up. This is what happens. The Father comes in and he says, that's not producing any fruit. That's not a real believer. That's not a true disciple. And so what does he do? He cuts it off. You can't see that. You come over here. And cuts it off. Aaron Pardue, who's the pastor of Northway Baptist in Angleton, he would always say this. He would turn that saying on its head, and he would say, always saved if once saved. If you were truly converted at one point, then you are in God's hand forever. But how do you prove it? But if your life produces fruit. Now, but there's another part to this that I want you to see. Look at this. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not produce his fruit, that does not produce fruit, he removes, he cuts it off. And catch this. He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. 
So he gets his shears back out again, or his pliers, and he's like, this one's producing fruit. That's doing pretty good. What I need to do is prune it, cut off some more stuff from it, to divert the resources to the places that are producing the most fruit. I want this thing to develop more fruit. So this little leaf's not, I'm going to cut that sucker off there because it's not doing what I want it to do. Now that branch is healthier. It can have more, more resources diverted to the fruit over there. So that's what he does. Now, if you look at that and you're thinking about your own life, you are one of the branches if you're holding on to Jesus. And he's coming at you with shears. God's coming at you with shears. And you're like, oh no, I don't want that. That looks like it hurts. And it probably does if you're a leaf. Now he tells us what is happening in this. I've got my plants covering all my stuff here. Pruning sounds incredibly painful. And many a times when you read this text, you're like, okay, he's, he's going to produce fruit. He's going to prune those who are remaining so they'll produce more fruit. That means he'll introduce bad things in your life or hard things in your life so that way you'll have to experience like just the perseverance of getting through it. That's not necessarily the proper interpretation of what's happening. He does do that. We all know that you learn more about God when you are in the depths than when you're on the mountain. We all understand that, but Jesus gives us the answer for what pruning actually is. Look at verse 3 with me. He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Already, he's talking to his disciples, verse 3, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now, doesn't the word clean there sound odd in this context? It sounds really weird in this context. You're like, what is he talking about clean? That doesn't make any sense because we're talking about a, a, a plant. We're talking about a plant that you're cutting and like pruning. I messed it up, but whatever. Your plant, this plant thing. Like, why would he say already you're clean? Well, in the Greek, the word for prune and the word for clean are the same. And so what he's saying is this, God prunes those who remain in him so they'll produce more fruit. And he turns to his disciples and he says, you are already pruned. Why? Because of his word that he's spoken to them. Because of his word. So what he's saying to his disciples is that the method that God uses to prune them to develop more and more fruit of Christ's likeness is his word. That's what he's saying here. And so, and, and so the word, is, is, it's not a specific command. He's not talking about a specific command that he's given, like, hey, love one another, go do that, and if you do that. No, he's talking about the totality of what we've received through Christ. All of God's word is the method that God uses to prune you. That's what he does. And so the more you dig into the word, the more the word digs into you. And so the spirit uses it to pierce our hearts, to convict us, to, to examine us, to encourage us and uplift us. And he uses it to restore and to guide us. That is how he does it. 
And so if you want to develop greater obedience, greater joy, greater love for Christ and for other people in our church body, if you want to develop greater engagement in evangelism, then what Jesus is saying is the method to develop those is by digging into your Bible. That's what he's saying. So the more you dig in, the more the text reveals about what's inside of you about who we are, about who God is, about what He desires from us, about different areas in your life that He wants to cut off so that, you, so that way you'll produce more fruit. How do you know which areas of your life to, that God wants to work on? He reveals it to you through the Word as you read it. That's what He does. And so as you come to different texts, the Spirit will reveal some aspect that He wants to prune in your life to lead to greater fruit development. So here's, here's this. I want you to hear this. Is that there are many of us in this room and listening on, on your computer or whatever that feel spiritually dry, that feel stagnant, that feel disinterested, and I would bet that if you looked back at your Bible reading over the past several months, that it's probably pretty dry, or that it's probably not commonly occurring. And so here's his call. Here is his call for you, is that if you want to glorify God in 2021, the thing to put in place to develop fruit is to dig into your Bible. It's to dig into your Bible. And maybe that means you start a Bible in a year plan. But for many of us in this room, that may not be the best idea, the best option. For some of us, Dara's been doing one with some girls this year, and she has loved it. But for some of us, if you're just getting back into Bible reading, that is like too much of a fire hydrant to drink from. Maybe you just need to start, instead of saying, okay, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read, I'm going to wake up at four, and I'm going to read for three hours, and just really dig into it, and then I'll go to work, and I'm going to do that every day. Maybe don't do that. Start, if you're not reading now, start with five minutes. Start with reading for five minutes a day, and build the habit into your daily routine. Also, the second tip for this I want you to, I want to give you is... I was trying to come up with a, a, a cool little pithy phrase for it. I, I came up with, this is really lame, I came up with fan and fiddle. <laughs> that means you come to your Bible and you're like, I want to read it today. And this is what you do. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to read this. Although this is really, that's really profound. I want to go to a different one that's not as good. Here we go. You read, you turn, and you turn to Ecclesiastes. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm reading this first. Ecclesiastes 11.4, one who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. And then you're like, I don't know what God's trying to say to me. This is just not working for me. 
right? And then you read that and you're like, this is just, I don't get it. I'm like, I don't, I don't generally look at the clouds. And so I try to, you know, and, you, and then you just kind of wander off and you're like, that's just, God's just not speaking to me today. And then you feel dry, even more dry for having tried to read your Bible and it didn't work out for you. And so here, let me give you a better plan than that. Pick a book. Pick a book. Mark, Mark, John, Philippians, Genesis. Pick a book and read it all the way through. Not all in one setting. You can do it all in one setting, and that would be really good for you, but read it all the way through. Read a chapter a day, a chapter a week. Whatever gets you to five minutes a day, read it. Stop. Put your bookmark there. Pick it back up the next day. Why? Because that enables you to see the whole story of the book and see what you're reading in its context, where you're not reading a random verse and saying, I don't get that, and then closing your Bible and walking away. So just pick a book and read it all the way through. Now, I want to give you uh, another thing. So for the rest of our time, I'm going to give you a Bible reading method, okay? Because for many of us, when we come to the text, we're like, okay, I can do that. I can, I can read a book. I'll, I'll read Song of Songs all the way through, okay? That's what I'm going to pick. And you come to it, and you're like, okay, I read it. Now what do I do? So I want to give you a Bible reading method to where when you come to the text, you have tools to help you understand what's going on and apply it to your life and take something from it, okay? So, Justin, if you'll throw this up, this is called the HEAR Bible Reading Method. Now, I heard it from a guy named Robbie Gallaty, who's a pastor in Tennessee. I don't know if he made it up or if he got it from somewhere else, but this is really helpful for me. So, if you want to get your phone out, write this down, or if you have notes or whatever, this is the most helpful method for me personally to do a devotion and get something out of it. Because if you want to glorify God, you want to dig into the Word, then let the Word dig into you. But you need tools to be able to do it. Okay, so this is called the HEAR Bible Reading Method. And so we're going to walk through. HEAR is an acronym, and it stands for Highlight, Explain, Apply, Respond. And we'll see that in just a second. We're going to walk through it together. But first, I know this is unconventional, but I am going to do it this way, not to show that I'm really smart or that I can do this. I'm going to get you, I'm, I'm going to get you guys to tell me a book of the Bible for us to do this in, so that way you can see that you can do it on your own, and it's not, this is not something that I have studied before coming to this sermon thing. So I, I want you to understand that. Like, I didn't, we're not going to pick a text that I've already gone and done all this study on, and so therefore I've got all the information to just give you and say, okay, now you go do it. Like, we're going to walk through it together as though we're reading a book together, okay? So now, someone give me a book in the New Testament. Second Timothy, okay, so let's turn to Second Timothy. Go to, go to your table of contents and find it. It's right after First Timothy right before the book of Titus. Second Timothy, and like I said, I've not looked at this. Uh, uh, I mean, I've read the book before, but I've, like, I didn't study this passage five minutes before walking up here because I want you to see that you can do this on your own at home, and it's not just something that the pastor can do, okay? So Second Timothy... Let's start at his Thanksgiving right here in, in verse 3. We're going to read verse 3 through 7. And this is going to take terribly long if you're worried about this. 
And here's what he says. Let's pretend you, you're, you're getting up in the morning. You've got coffee uh, in the coffee pot now. And uh, you open up your Bible. You're like, okay, we're going to read 2 Timothy. And you're like, boom, Stephen said this. This is what we're going to do. So 2 Timothy, verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm convinced is also in you. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and sound judgment. Okay, so you just read that in your devotion, and you want to hear from God. You want to get something out of it. So now you're going to go to your reading method. So, Jocelyn, if you go to the next one, we're going to start with highlight. What that means is see what in the text stood out to you. What in the text stood out to you? So is there a verse, a phrase, anything that was like, man, that made sense to me. And so I'm going to go to verse 4. Why? Because he talked about, like, crying, and uh, I was like, just kind of stood out. I was like, I don't know. Why would he be doing that? Okay, so he says, remembering your tears, I long to see you so that way I may be filled with joy. All right. That's going to be our highlighted verse. Now, go to the next one, Jocelyn. This stands for explain. Explain. Okay, well, let's explain this verse in our own words. Okay, so who is Paul writing this to? A guy named Timothy. We know that because that's what it says in the title of the book. He's writing this to a guy named Timothy. And uh, in verse 2, it tells us that as well. To Timothy, my dearly loved spiritual son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's writing to this guy named Timothy. He obviously has a very strong relationship with. He, he has a, a, a spiritual father-son relationship in which he was training him. I only know that from verse 2. I, I mean, I, 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 not only, but I know that from verse 2. I'm taking all the information from the text here, not from some other commentaries that you don't have access to. You've got all of this right here in front of you. So he's got, a, he's got a relationship with Timothy in which he has been a spiritual father to him. And so now, obviously, if you look at verse 4, they're not together anymore. They're separated. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I, I may be filled with joy. And so they love each other, but they're separated from one another. And obviously, when they left... It was a sad departure. They didn't want to separate from one another. It wasn't like a Christmas thing that went bad and they hate each other now. Like, no, no. Like, Paul had to leave. And as he was leaving, that moment was filled with sadness for them because they didn't want to depart from one another. And so he says, I remember still now the way that you teared up as I was having to drive out of the driveway. And I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And so now Paul is looking at Timothy, remembering Timothy, longing to be back with him, so that he may be filled with joy. 
happiness, gladness to be in his presence again because he loves that dude. Okay, so we just explained it. Apply is the next one. A is apply. Okay, well, what does that have to do with me? Like, I'm talking about Paul and Timothy and love each other, and they're like, like they're separated from one another, and Paul longs to be back with them, to feel joy. Like, how on earth could I get anything out of that? Well, is there anyone, I can start to think about my own life. Are there people in my life who have been a spiritual father to me? Or are there people in my life that I have discipled that I, that I love in this same manner? And so I can think back to, there's a guy named Aaron, who's the pastor at Northway. I quoted him earlier in this sermon, a guy named Aaron uh, Pardue, who's the pastor at Northway in Angleton. I love that dude. He brought us down there. I was the youth pastor under him for three years. He, he became one of my best friends down there. Um, and he, because he went down there and he said, I, he, I was open. When I went to go be a youth pastor, I was open with him and saying, I desire to be a pastor one day. And he said, come on, dude. He said, come on, everything's an open book to you. You can see anything you want. Um, you can have access to whatever you want. He even opened up his, his whole taxes to show me how, how clergy taxes work. And he just pulled up all of their financials and said, okay, here's how it works. Here's how I did it. Like that dude was amazing. He was so wonderful to my family. And so I look at Aaron and I'm like, dude, I love that guy. He was like a spiritual father in that sense for me. But now we're six hours away. I don't get to see him. I, I, we call each other now. But in the same way, I remember Aaron, and I would love to get to go down and have lunch with him and see him and be near him and be filled with joy of being by that guy. And so for you, you may look at this text also, and you're like, there's someone in my life that I can't be. Maybe it's a grandmother who is a spiritual giant, and she has now gone to be with, with Christ because she passed away last year. And you adored being with her. You adored spending time with her. But now she's gone. And you remember the tears of your last moment together in the hospital. And so now you're thinking about her, thinking about how wonderful she was in being a spiritual giant for you. And you're longing for the day to be back together with her to be filled with joy. And so you can apply these texts to your own life. And now let's go to the last one. So R is respond. So here's the question is, what do you do? What do you do after reading the text and getting something out of it like that? Well, for me, it could be, I just want to give Aaron a phone call this week and just say hi and just tell him, just, I'm so thankful for him, thankful for him. Maybe if it's the case of your grandmother, you want to stop and you just want to thank God for the impact that she had on your life. And you just want to pray. And just praise God that she, you had her in your life. And you can look back and think so fondly of her and be filled with joy over the impact that she had and feel hope over your reunition one day. Reu reunition? Is that a word? Being reunited? Is that better? Being reunited with her one day. And so you can see how there's, there's different responses, like dependent upon how you apply this to your life. And so, and so we walked through that. I'm, I'm going to be done with that, but we walked through that because I wanted to show you that you have the tools in your tool belt to be able to get something out of the text even when you first come to it. And you're like, man, I, have, I don't know, even know. 
Like, we literally just got that devotion out of a verse that says, remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. If I read that typically, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna move on from that. But look what we just, like, unpacked out of that in your morning devotion while your coffee's still brewing. And so I wanted you to have that. And so here's, here, if you want to glorify God in 2021, dig into your Bible, pick a book, read it all the way through, and have a plan as you come to the text. I would encourage you to use here. Highlight, explain, apply, respond. That way you can come to it and feel like you're getting something out of it, like God is speaking to you. And as you do that, guess what happens? Fruit is developed in your life. Fruit that you, didn't, you wouldn't have thought about. Like, prior to coming to 2 Timothy, because Stephen said, turn here, would I, have, like, I wouldn't have thought, you know what, I need to give Aaron a call. But you know what I'm going to do now, this week? I'm going to give Aaron a call. Fruit for, of love for one another was developed out of reading verse 4. And so, as we dig into the Word of God this year, let us be, do so by faith that the Spirit of God is working through it to lead you to be more like the Son of God, Jesus, all to the glory of God. Let's pray.